You are listening to The Partner Podcast, relevant information to enhance the careers and improve the lives of partner-level attorneys. Produced by The Attorney Search Group, we grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. Visit us on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. Welcome, everyone. This is Scott Love. Thank you for joining me on the Partner Podcast. One thing before we get started here is to let you know that I have relaunched a dormant podcast that I'm going to be winding down the content of this particular podcast. Let me tell you about this new one. It's called the Rainmaking Podcast. You'll still be able to get all the archived content of the Partner Podcast. And the reason I'm focusing on that is because my goal as a legal recruiter is to get in front of partners with large law firms. The one thing that every partner wants, even if he or she doesn't want to think about moving to another firm, is growing his or her practice, growing the book of business, getting new clients, getting more business from existing clients, getting all the business from clients. So the new podcast is called The Rainmaking Podcast. You can look for it on iTunes. Just go there and type in the Rainmaking Podcast. We're pushing it out to all the other podcast delivery websites out there. And you can always find it on my website, which is attorneysearchgroup.com. Just look on the podcast link and you'll find both the partner podcast there as well as the Rainmaking Podcast. Let me get on to today's show. Our guest on today's podcast is Heidi K. Brown. Heidi is a graduate of the University of Virginia School of Law and is a law professor at Brooklyn Law School. She's a former litigator in the construction industry. Having struggled with anxiety and fear as a law student, attorney, and new law professor, Heidi finally untangled her fears, embracing authenticity as a powerful asset in teaching and practicing law. Heidi is the author of Untangling Fear in Lawyering, The Four-Step Journey Toward Powerful Advocacy. She's also the author of The Introverted Lawyer, A Seven-Step Journey Toward Authentically Empowered Advocacy, and is the author of a two-volume legal writing book series entitled The Mindful Legal Writer. Heidi champions the importance of openly discussing anxieties and fears in lawyering and helping quiet and anxious law students and lawyers become profoundly effective advocates in their authentic voices. Heidi's website, you can check it out at theintrovertedlawyer.com, and she'd love to hear from readers on Instagram. We'll put those links on the show notes. And today, our topic with Heidi is untangling fear in lawyering. So I have with me on the show today, a good friend of mine, Professor Heidi K. Brown. Heidi, thanks for joining me on the Partner Podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. And we've had you on as a guest before. And I think that topic, that was the introverted lawyer. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. And so you wrote a book about that. And today our topic is untangling fear in lawyering. And tell me about that. What prompted you to write this book in in the title? That's the title, right? Untangling Fear in Lawyering. Is that correct? Yes. Untangling Fear in Lawyering. So when I wrote the, the book, The Introverted Lawyer, I was going around and doing some talks about introversion to law schools and law firms. And I was explaining the differences between introversion and extroversion, but also introversion, shyness, and social anxiety. And, and occasionally, or pretty often, I would have people come up to me afterwards or reach out to me over LinkedIn or through email and say, you know, I'm not an introvert, but I'm scared. I'm mm. afraid. I'm afraid to to go take my first deposition. I'm afraid to go to court. I'm afraid of making a mistake. And it really resonated with me because I had a lot of fear in law school and law practice and even Mm -hmm. when I first started teaching. So that's what led me to start researching the concept of fear. 
Wow, interesting. So tell me about some of those fears. What were the fears that you had as you progressed in your career? Well, as I started reflecting back on my my journey as a law student lawyer and law professor, so many instances of fear popped into my mind. I mean, in school, I was really afraid of of looking foolish in the classroom. When I was cold called by professors, I, I sort of would would have that fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm-hmm. Then the practice I entered into as an attorney, I was a construction lawyer. So I was in this really intense, aggressive, hard-hitting industry. And I was afraid when I was, I was always prepared. I was always substantively prepared for my depositions. I loved the research and writing aspect of my job, but the performance aspects of my job, I had a lot of fear. I was, I was afraid of looking foolish or stupid or incompetent. I was afraid of making a mistake. I also have this, as you know, from my introverted lawyer book, I have this robust blushing response. So (laughs) when when I'm afraid or nervous, I turn really red. So I used to get really afraid in the middle of a deposition if I couldn't react quickly enough with an objection or a response to an objection by opposing counsel. And then I would turn red and that would just make it even worse. So I really grappled with, with fear and public speaking anxiety and performance anxiety for really almost two decades of my life, which was really challenging. So you choose a profession that has some risk to it in terms of you might look foolish. You choose professional speaking, which is a fear even greater than the fear of dying for most people. Uh, What was it that caused you to choose those things, Heidi? Well, what led me into the law originally was was learning. I, I love research and writing. And I just thought, okay, if I just put myself in these situations over and over again, eventually I'll get used to it. Those were the messages I I was receiving from well-meaning mentors. But I learned, you know, I I kept trying to do that and and my fear never went away. So it was only after I started studying this and writing the introversion book, but then writing my fear book, I realized, wait, I can actually be really good at these, these performance activities if I untangle my fear. I had always just tried to kind of listen to those messages like fake it till you make it or you know just do right. it just prepare right. everybody's nervous none of that worked for me it was only until I started really getting deep into untangling my fear what it means how it affects me mentally and physically and I really had to study myself and after I did that I realized that I could make adjustments to sort of my mental and physical approaches to lawyering performance activities and step into them with fortitude. I'm still scared, honestly, sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. even, even today preparing for this, I had, you know, even though I'm doing it from the comfort of my home, I still have fear. I have performance anxiety, but I, I know now how to set myself up for success. And I, to your point, I find it so funny or ironic that now my entire living is based on standing up in front of a classroom (laughs) or going out into the world to speak to law firms or law schools. And I love it, but I do, it's a, it's a work in progress. This is not something that I can just flip a light switch and I'm totally fine one day. It's a process that I work on every single day. So this is great. So your book, Untangling Fear in Lawyering, I'm, I'm curious why that word, tell me about untangling. Where did that come from? I love that word because, as I mentioned, for literally decades, 15 years of law practice, and then you know, several years of teaching on top of that, now I've been teaching for 11 years, I constantly tried to apply those, those slogans, just, you know, just do it, like you can put on a pair of Nikes and 
you know, jump into a performance situation with zest and everything will be fine. Or messages like, you know, fear is good for you. Everybody's afraid. If you're not afraid, it means you don't care. And, and I had internalized those messages and tried to just fake confidence and it did not help. I, I constantly had, you know, racing heartbeat. I would sweat, I would turn red and I couldn't think straight. So for me, I really love the word or the verb untangle because it forces us or prompts us or encourages us to look at something that, that is a little bit messy. Fear mm-hmm. is messy, mm-hmm. but it's real. And then slowly, again, this is not a quick overnight fix, slowly sort of take it apart, untangle the mm. knots, really get to know our mental fear triggers, how, how fear affects us physically. I write a lot about how I, now I understand what's happening to me physically when, when I feel like I want to run out of the room instead of going and doing a presentation. So untangling it, sitting with it, getting to know it, and then we can choose the aspects of, of fear that, that are motivating, but, but separate out the destructive aspects of fear. I love that word because it's such a kinesthetic, tangible word. And if you had changed the title to uh, pushing through fear or, or some other kinesthetic word, like uh, managing it or something like that's not even a kinesthetic word, but I mean, that actually gives me a visual image because as a former scout and sailor, you know, there's a lot of knots that I've had to untangle in my life and it takes time, doesn't it? And it takes a lot of of detail. It's not like, I mean, all the messages out there about face your fears or conquer your fears or just do something every day that scares you. It makes it, it minimizes fear Mm. and makes it seem like almost you're weak if you can't just face your fears or if you can't just adopt the idea that fear is good for you, none of that worked for me. So I needed to actually sit with it. It's not like something you can just put in a box and shove away or, or right. step over or kick away. We have to sit with it and, and untie the knots, maybe make new knots, untie those. <laughs> and really, I like that you called it kinesthetic because it is such an active process. And it, for me, it really worked. might not work for everybody, but it, that process really worked for me. I like that. I always try to find what's the system? What are the action steps that other people have taken that I can follow to get the same result? And I like that, that you give, and I haven't read your book. I'm going to get it. I'm going to read it. It sounds like you give recommendations for people to untangle their fear. Is that right? Yes. And part of what I studied is actually how athletes and coaches untangle fears towards sports situations, you know, athletes. I looked at a lot of different industries, medicine, journalism, but, but sports has been really intriguing to me because, you know, athletes and other type of stage performers like musicians, you know, they grapple with fear as well, but we don't tend to stigmatize athletes or other performers for untangling their fear. They, they work with coaches and they, they talk about stage fright or, you know, athletes might be afraid of getting injured or, or after they get injured, they're afraid of getting re-injured or they make a mistake or they're afraid of losing. So all these other industries are, are untangling these issues. And I feel like the legal profession can do the same. That's great. What do you think people that are in law, what are some of the fears that you think they face? Because I know from your perspective, you are active in the legal industry. You're a professor at a law school. What do you think are some of the big real fears, or maybe not even real fears, but what are the more prominent fears that attorneys face today? 
think the most prominent fears for law students and lawyers are are making mistakes and or not knowing the answer. Fear of failure is a huge one. Fear of of really of judgment of not living up to expectations. I, I worked in three different law firms and worked with some very strong personalities. And, and I learned a lot and I, I loved the work I did, but I had this constant presence of fear of, of mistake making and failure, letting people down right. and, and the judgment that I wasn't worthy of the profession. And I certainly was. I, you know, I had a law degree. I devoted so much time into my own training and as a young associate and moving up through the ranks, though, I still had this cloud of fear hanging over me. My goal now is for us to, like other industries are doing, open up a dialogue about fear, mistake-making, fear of losing a case, fear of losing a client, fear of not being able to bring in clients. Because in my personal experience, once I started talking about this and untangling it and opening up a dialogue about it, so many other people share these fears. And Mm. and it, it doesn't make us weak to talk about it. It actually makes us strong. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's a gender issue related to men being less likely to admit those fears to other people? What do you think about that? I think that's possible. I mean, I haven't done any statistical research on that, but I'll I'll just anecdotally, every year at the law school where I teach, I run some workshops in advance of the required oral argument simulation. And Every year I open it up to the whole school and, and I usually have between, depending on the school, I have between 30 and 50 students who initially sign up. And I have noticed that the female participants do seem, once I sort of create a, an environment where people feel comfortable talking about their fears, the female participants tend to finish all the workshops where, whereas I do lose some of the male participants. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's, you know, we have this, this bravado personality as lawyers or this, this perception that we all have to have this bravado personality and, and in our legal profession. And I, I can imagine not, I'm female, so I know it definitely affects me and I'm afraid. <laughs> and I can imagine that there's even more pressure on, on men to sort of fake it till they make it. And, and I'm here to tell you that that does not work. Right. <laughs> it's I better that we talk about it across gender. Interesting. Yeah, I know from my work as a headhunter, dealing with law firms every day and partners, and sometimes I've actually been hired as an expert witness to give opinions on partner compensation. What are those variables that affect it? Uh, if an attorney's been impacted in their potential to earn a certain living, and I think that even the structure of law firms really propagates that environment of fear because the law firm structure is very loose. It's uh, really nothing more than a collective of individuals that are held together only by conditional promises to each other, and that's it. And if that fabric that holds them together is weak, then everybody's a free agent. They can take their book and go because there's no non-competes. And then the firm starts falling apart. So that's why I think the structure itself doesn't necessarily create this warm, inviting, forgiving environment. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I feel like talking about some of these issues, some you know, veteran lawyers and law firm leaders might think talking about these, these types of issues might be too touchy-feely. You know, we're lawyers, we're supposed to be tough. But the more I study this, I realize and discover that the strongest communities, the strongest institutions are those that, that do get a little vulnerable and talk about these issues and especially now coming through this pandemic, hopefully 
as we sort of navigate the next six months, nine months of our lives and our, our, our profession, I'm hopeful is going to look at these particular issues and, and how everybody in a law office or law firm or partnership can thrive and how you know the, the whole can grow and everyone within the whole community can grow without it just being sort of a, a winner takes all kind of situation. So I'm right. hopeful that we've, we will learn something from what we've all been going through the past couple months. That's a good hope. I think law firms recently have been forced to adapt. As we know, everybody has. The world has changed with COVID. And maybe that might open up other innovations and other areas in terms of some of the things that you mentioned. Let me ask you this, Heidi. In in the book, you discuss how other professions address their fear. What are some other techniques that the legal profession can adopt from other professions that can help lawyers manage fear? Well, I took a look at what the medical profession was doing, what the journalism profession was doing, what engineering schools and and training uh, processes were doing, and then again, the sports that I mentioned. And I was really encouraged and inspired that, let's, let's say the medical profession, for instance, you know, obviously the medical profession has a fear problem as well. And, and right. making a mistake in a medical situation is, can have life or death consequences. And so medical schools and, and medical training institutions are addressing fear and mistake-making head-on, I mean, creating simulations and situations where med students and doctors are intentionally or are put into scenarios, training scenarios, not, not real life or death scenarios, where mistakes are inevitable. And so they learn how to process the fear, the anticipatory fear of making a mistake. But then if a mistake happens, how to remedy it ethically, how to have hard conversations about the fear associated with that, how to deal with fear in terms of hierarchy in the medical profession. I just found that so interesting because our profession, I mean, obviously, we don't want to make mistakes. We want to try to prevent mistakes. But I sort of grew up in the legal profession with this myth that no good lawyer makes a mistake. Well, we know that's not true. I mean, it, our, our profession is complex. The law is, is sophisticated and complex and complicated substantively and procedurally. And while, of course, our, the last thing we want to do is make a mistake, mistakes are going to occur and we need to handle them ethically and, and in a community and, and not feel like it's a career-ending situation, which is always the fear that I have. Right. I understand so that. Yeah. I, I think we can learn from other professions about how to prevent mistakes by talking about them earlier on and instead of cultivating a culture where we have this myth that good lawyers just don't aren't afraid they're they're not weak they don't make mistakes you know we're all human and we have vulnerabilities and it's much healthier to talk about them so then we can be better at our jobs right right let me kind of take it in this direction for the people that are listening to this podcast a lot of them are attorneys that are working with clients. Some are in-house, some are working with clients. What about client fears? What can lawyers do to help clients untangle their fears? That's such a great question. And because clients, no matter whether it's a major corporate client scenario or an individual client scenario where there's trauma involved, our clients have a lot of fear. I mean, I, I worked in the construction industry, as I mentioned. Even these top executives in the construction world were, were afraid of, of losing these, these multi-million dollar cases or, or losing, losing their jobs or losing um, big projects. But we never talked about the fear. We just 
faked it. We, we pretended it wasn't there and we just plowed ahead with the legal case. But what I learned through doing my research is that it's really up to us as lawyers, as, as counselors at law, to untangle fear and understand what, what it means, be able to see the signs and even you know, tough, strong corporate clients and, and certainly with individual clients grappling with really serious legal issues related to themselves or their families, it's really important for us as lawyers to understand how fear manifests physically and mentally so we can see it in, when we are talking to our clients. Now, even doing client counseling or interviews over Zoom, we, there are things we can learn or other virtual platforms. There's things we can learn about reading body language, eye contact and teach ourselves as lawyers how to connect with the client, get them to trust us and open up about their fears. So then we can make, help them make legal decisions that are, are not fear-based. Right. And it's really, you know, obviously it's not easy to do all that, but as lawyers, we can learn how to do that better and make sure that fear is not a barrier to honest communication between attorneys and clients, because it can be a tremendous barrier if our clients are afraid and they're too afraid to, to tell us that they're, that they're afraid. Right, right. That's interesting. What do you think about the concept of emotional awareness, emotional intelligence, and how it helps us to manage fear within us? What do you think about that? It's huge. It's, it's really 100% about us being open to exploring first ourselves and learning more about ourselves, our personality types, what, what is driving our fear? Is it just messages we've internalized from past, you know, well-meaning coaches or authority figures telling ourselves messages that might make us doubt our abilities now, um, really digging into whether those messages are true or not. Also having the self-awareness to understand how fear manifests in us physically and then kind of flipping all that on its head and, and stepping into performance scenarios armed with that new information. So we have to have emotional intelligence about ourselves and then understand how other individuals, including our colleagues and our clients, manifest fear differently or maybe either similarly to us or differently from us. So then we can help them and, and really advocate on their behalf in a meaningful way that addresses the fears that might be prohibiting uh, communication with us or, or with the opposing party or a transactional partner or something like that. That's very insightful, Heidi. Do you think, has there been much resistance to this topic in legal, do you think? I, in my experience <laughs> over the years working for different law firms, we never talked about emotion. I mean, it, it was deemed a weakness to talk about emotion, to, to even have emotion. And so in my personal experience, yes, I have experienced resistance in the profession to these topics, but I'm really encouraged again to hear of law firms and other legal institutions really trying to open up dialogue about these issues, you know, with the, with the National Task Force on Lawyer Wellbeing. Again, it's not a weakness to talk about well-being. It's if you kind of analogize it to, to sports again, you know, athletes do a lot of stuff in advance <laughs> to prepare for inevitable setbacks. And, right, and so, right. so it doesn't make us weak to, to talk about these topics so that we can prevent problems down the road and, and address current problems, obviously, and support people that need, need help. But I think in the past there has been resistance, but I'm definitely encouraged to see more of a dialogue and, and a openness to address these topics, which can really make us all better at our jobs and, and happier and more productive. 
what an impactful thing that you're doing, Heidi, to write a book that can be a catalyst for change in a positive way on a very meaningful level for people. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's an ongoing uh, journey for my, myself personally, and I'm hopeful that we can help others in our community really live happier, healthier lives as lawyers. Absolutely. And one, one thing I think is interesting to note, kind of along the lines of what we just talked about, I remember uh, facilitated an interview for a very successful, very tough litigator, well-known, and he was talking about the emotional awareness of the people that he met with my clients. And I thought that was an insightful statement. And 10 years ago, I don't know if somebody would have said that, especially to, uh, to a headhunter when we're talking about how the meeting went. So I think that there is hope. I think people are more emotionally aware nowadays. I think your book is probably going to solve a lot of problems for people. And for everybody listening, we're going to put the link to the book on the show notes. We'll put Heidi's contact information on the show notes also. But tell us a little bit about what you do. Somebody's listening to you if they want to reach out to you. What sort of services do you offer? What are the things that you're doing within the legal industry besides being a professor? Thank you. Yes. So yes, I I teach legal writing at Brooklyn Law School, but I also have a website it's theintrovertedlawyer.com. And I, I love speaking with aspiring lawyers, law students, recent graduates of law school, associates, and partners who are really interested in, in talking about these topics. I've done a lot of talks at law firms and, and law schools and bar associations about topics like introversion, but also anxiety and performance anxiety, and really trying to address these, these issues head on by, by talking about them. I also love to hear from people individually. I, I enjoy every day if I receive an email from somebody who's either read the book and wants to share their own story uh, or a, an issue that they're grappling with. So I'm, I'm very happy to, to talk to anybody about these issues. And again, I, you can reach me over the website. I'm also on LinkedIn. And I'm also on Twitter at Introvert Lawyer. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Heidi. We'll definitely have you back. And I appreciate everything you're doing for the industry. And it's great to have you as a friend. Thank you. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you again. Thanks for joining me. And if you have ideas or recommendations for this podcast, please email me at scott at attorneysearchgroup.com. For more information about the Attorney Search Group and the services I offer as a sports agent for partners who want to find a better platform, visit me on the web at attorneysearchgroup.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.